1: Heart of great perfect wisdom sutra,
2: Ah, 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 deeply practicing Prajnaparamita, Clearly saw that all five skandhas are empty, and thus relieved all suffering, Shari. The form does not differ from empty. Emptiness does not differ from form. Form itself is emptiness. Emptiness is self-form. Sensations, perceptions, formations, and consciousness are also like this Shariputra. All dharmas are marked by emptiness. They neither arise nor cease are neither defiled nor pure neither increased nor decreased therefore given emptiness there is no form no sensation no perception no formation no consciousness no eyes no ears no nose no tongue no body no mind no sights no sound no No smell, no taste, no touch, no object of mind, no realm of sight, no realm of mind consciousness. There is neither ignorance nor extinction of ignorance, neither old age and death. No extinction of old age and death. No suffering. No cause. No cessation. No path. No knowledge. And no attainment. With nothing to attain, a bodhisattva on prajna paramita, and thus the mind is without hindrance, without. Hindrance. There is no fear, far beyond all inverted views, one realizes Nirvana. All Buddhas of past, present and future rely on Prajnaparamita and thereby attain unsurpassed complete, perfect enlightenment. Therefore know the Prajna <laughs> as the great miraculous. Mantra, the great bright mantra, the supreme mantra, the incomparable mantra which removes all suffering and is true, not false. Therefore, we proclaim the prajna paramita mantra, the mantra that says, Kate, kate, e, kate. E,
3: Arasthamgate bodhisattva. May all awakened beings extend
1: with true compassion their luminous mirror wisdom. With full awareness we have chanted the Heart of Great Perfect Wisdom Sutra, We dedicate this merit to our original ancestor in India, great teacher, Shakyamuni Buddha, our first woman ancestor, great teacher, Mahaprajapati, our first ancestor in China, great teacher, Bodhidharma, our first ancestor in Japan, great teacher, Ehe Dogen, Our first ancestor in America, great teacher, Shogaku Shunryu. The perfect wisdom, Bodhisattva Manjushri. (coughs) May all the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas extend their compassion to the benefit and well-being of all sentient beings. And to our great abiding friend, Maria Sanchez, may she find her true place in Buddha's way. Space and time, all honored ones, bodhisattvas, mahasattvas, wisdom beyond wisdom, maha prajna paramita.
3: He is ready. Douglas uh, will be giving tonight's talk.
4: Good evening, everyone. I'm Douglas Floyd. With the exception of Michael, I've had conversations for quite a while now with all of you. You're all old timers, so my talk may not, such as it is, may not be all that interesting. I don't know that I had a traditional... Dharma talk. I wanted. I was. I had called it tentatively, tentatively, uh, zazen again, because I've made a practice of, from time to time, especially on Sunday mornings, talking about what zazen is, how we approach zazen, because that's when we have the new people who've come for zazen instruction, and I, I tend to keep trying to perfect the way that I think about Zazen and the way I'm going to present it to these new people who come. And for that matter, uh, just to understand better for myself and for people who I might have a conversation with about issues they're having in Zazen, because I think that uh, just as a matter of habit and karma, if you like, uh, even those of us who've been doing this for a while fall into... uh, Patterns of practice, of patterns of, of ways of approaches to zazen that are not dogan zazen, and, and that can lead to problems. When I have been giving zazen instruction, I've been surprised at how many of the people come with some sort of meditation practice. Um, you know, with with the boom in meditation-based stress reduction and vipassana and yoga. Um, it seems like well over half of the people who come to Zazen Instruction have done some sort of spiritual practice that they call meditation. But there's a, in every case, there's, a, there's significant differences from what we do when we practice Zazen. Almost all of their practices have been involved um, treating meditation as a technique it's this—it's this tool, it's practice, that's going to affect some outcome, some change in their minds. Whether that's eliminating uh, painful emotions, or at least leading to calm and some clear mind, or leading—in some cases, especially people who've done yoga practice—some sort of ecstatic experience of, you know, some reality behind the world. It's going to solve uh, to sort of explain the meaning of life in and, and uh, provide some guidance on how everything else will follow. Um, almost always, those practices involve uh, some sort of focus or actual concentration, usually on the breath, um, and especially fairly intense concentration on the breath. Even in the opposite, the exception might be in Vipassana practice, where some of the people will practice on the sensation of the breath on the upper lip or in the abdomen. But a lot of the time, there's also just watching thoughts, um, observing, observing thoughts. And um, it's just uh, what I've tried to do is, is to some extent, in talking about Zazen, try to keep those things in mind and, and to explain that um, Zazen isn't a technique and it's not attempting to bring about some, to eliminate thoughts or bring about some new thoughts or cause some particular state or to bring about some ecstatic transcendent vision. But that it is really a matter of um stepping back from any sort of mental events on which our attention gets focused and narrowed. So normally, uh, when we go through life, we get caught up in thoughts or feelings and emotions and judgments. Uh, And those those tend to be at the forefront of our awareness. And the rest of the world is viewed through that web of, of Thoughts and emotions and feelings and judgments um, that we generate around each situation or each um, each object of awareness. So whether that's uh, that's um, a person or an event or some activity or a thought or a feeling, a sensation. Um, what usually what happens is. Um, you know, when we focus on this object of of awareness, um, there is this, our minds identify it. This thing out there, which immediately creates you know this sense that there is some self here, uh, and then we have all sorts of associations and thoughts that are generated. Thoughts which are also based on there's this thing there. Um, and so the combination of the, the cognitive thinking and the focus sort of reify this object of our awareness. It's a, it becomes a fixed thing that we're thinking about, we're observing, we're uh, having emotions about that we like or dislike, that we think is uh, good or bad or right or wrong. Um, and, and I feel that the, there's a, at least the likelihood that in some of these other practices of meditation, that, that really the same sort of processes being involved and in can continue or exacerbate the same sense of split between ourselves and the world that, except perhaps in the case of meditation-based stress reduction, these practices are intended to overcome. And so, I try to talk to them about uh, Zazen as as um, returning to this body, the returning to your posture here. Return, let it just waking up, being aware of uh, whatever is present right now, right here whether it's the physical environment, our body, our posture, physical sensations, our breathing, and also um, everything going all the mental events that are going on. So all of our thinking and feeling and judgments going on. And that we're not interfering with them or trying to manipulate them at all. That zazen is not... Um, that essentially there's, there is either no or almost no conscious effort, conscious endeavor involved, as, as Dogen says in at least one translation of Fukan Zazengi. And it's a matter of our waking up to uh, where we are right now, it's already here, and that the mind that is aware of being right here is an awareness that exists at all times and underlies our ordinary awareness uh, um, which provided that uh, we only become aware of it when we aren't caught up in and distracted by our thinking and feeling mind. So in effect, you know, I, I try to say that, that uh, sort of along the lines of uh, you know, Koto Suwaki, that Zazen is good for nothing, um, you know, there is nothing new that you become aware of uh, in Zazen that wasn't there before, but that we engage it in a different way, um, by letting go and just being here. And that, um, it's not far from trying to... Uh, some special, fixed or special state of mind, this mind of right here and now, this open uh, spacious mind of right here and now being in the world um, encompasses all of our potential experience and everything, even even if we are lost in the ozone, caught up in thinking and feeling. um, When we sit here, even our deluded thoughts and deluded uh, desires and emotions are part of the reality of right here and right now. Uh, so, um, another difference in Zazen, I would say, is that in, in most forms of meditation, since you're trying to maintain some sort of focus or concentration, you're trying to maintain this uh, Fixed, um, durable awareness, without distraction, of some object of, of focus, and um, becoming distracted by thoughts or feelings, getting caught up in thoughts and feelings, and losing track of that is, is seen as some sort of failure. In zazen, it's not. There is, and there's a value in in coming that waking up from uh, from being distracted from being caught up in, in our thinking and being lost in thought that it's a weakening of the habitual uh, uh, mind deluded mind of of the thinking and feeling that we get caught up in um, and and I think that that emphasis uh, on is I would try to say the explain that, that waking up is not, there are two aspects to Zazen, there is this waking up, which happens. It's not something that we cause to happen because we're caught up in our thinking. We don't. We, at the moment that we realize that we've been lost in thought, we're no longer lost in thought. We wake up to it and we come, we are back then, in this moment, and our. the next step is just the acknowledgement, yes. We're here, and the intention or the willingness to remain there, with whatever is—whether that's you know the powerful, painful thoughts and emotions, wildly gyrating thoughts and emotions, whatever they may be—we have a willingness to sit and let them be, without interfering with them, and or trying to control them. Um, just let them alone. Uh So, as <laughs> as unnatural in a way as it is, because our normal habit, our karma, is constantly driving us to focus on objects of attention, get caught up in them, generate thoughts, feelings, emotions. This awareness, this being right here now, really is a natural state of mind for us. And, and I try to emphasize that there are It's not a matter of straying to be here or not. That said, um, at Ancient Dragon we frequently uh, teach beginners to practice with an awareness of the breath, not really a focus or concentration on the breath, but an awareness of the breath, sort of noting the breath or counting the breath, And I see that as different from the practices that most people come to us having practiced before. Rather than trying to maintain a focus or a concentration on the breath, when we're noting the breath, when we're counting the breath, the breath is just part, we experience the breath as part of this moment, part of the total experience of environment, body and mind. that's a different sort of experience, and I make it clear to people that uh, you know you could leave it at any time. It, it's up to you. That uh, maintaining awareness of your posture, for example, just sitting upright, uh, will have the same benefit of that awareness of the breath, counting the breath, awareness of posture, uh, acts as a sort of gateway to the awareness of this full. Uh, Integrated, complete moment that includes us. So um, it's a it's an interesting experience talking to people like that because in that way, because I think sometimes I get a lot of um, puzzle I get some puzzled looks about what do you mean? I'm not concentrating. I'm not trying to control my mind. What happens? if I have these really painful emotions, is enormous amounts of grief or anger uh, or fear, or I just can't, I'm just sitting here, I can't sit here, my mind is just going crazy, um, you know, the natural reaction, and I probably, the natural reaction of many of us who've been doing it for a long time is try to find some way to get hold of it we're, without being aware of it. We try to uh, meditate harder. <laughs> somehow, whatever that would mean. But I try to emphasize that, uh, you know, this is part of the experience. It is part of your mind. It is part of right here. And while uh, the powerful emotions or the thoughts that are going very quickly may tend to attract more of your attention so that they take a more conspicuous place in your awareness of what's going on than other things, Um, as you sit with those things and do not follow them, do not get caught up with them, your mind will gradually, uh, you'll get distracted and you'll come back, you'll get distracted and you'll come back. Each time you come back, and the longer you are willing to sit with it, your mind will tend to uh, slow down. The thoughts of will uh, tend to become less powerful, less painful. And in effect, they become more transparent so that it is easier for you to rest in uh, this awareness of whatever is present to you right now. Um, uh, I had get a fair number of... Um, Call, uh, telephone calls from people after Zazen instruction wanting to talk about it. Um, but a fair number of people uh, appreciate and have uh, talking about Zazen in that way and just coming back to allowing yourself to come back to this moment, coming back to uh, this open, spacious, natural mind, coming back to being present with what is present to you. Um, So I've appreciated that. Uh, Not everybody has been convinced that they can sit through painful emotions or wild, crazy mind without trying to control it with awareness of breath and so on, but I I think after a while. uh, My reassurance is just keep doing it and it will work itself out. Um, This is not a technique. It's not a skill that you learn. It is just really identifying and learning to come back to that open awareness of of whatever we're thinking, feeling, our posture in the world around us. Um, That's very short, but all of you are old timers, so I'd be interested in how you address these issues, how you approach, um, in particular, these problems of, let's say, Frustration with Zazen, or powerful, painful emotions, and wild thinking or boredom. Uh, Those I think are probably the big four things that people identify in practice discussions as things they need to be able to deal with and are having a hard time with. Um, So please, uh, let me hear what you have to say, what's your experience? We'll get some, please.
5: So everything that arises, I want to um, support it. Like you would hold a child close to my chest. I often feel sometimes that um, there's that compassion, whatever is arising, that meeting that with compassion and not uh, nothing else, really.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: You know, and sometimes sometimes I cry when that happens because it's a tender experience. So I think there's a tenderness in the practice. So that's how I experience it sometimes. So
6: thank you, Dr. Thank
4: you. I, I think that's right. I think that uh, a couple of years ago, I heard Rab Anderson talking about um, Zazen is compassion toward everything, and um, uh, that I, I thought that was that was wonderful. Um, that that the way that. Um, you know, we step back from being caught up and open to the world, and it, when we, that opening brings a warmth to it, I think. Um, an emotional warmth that, uh, yeah, and that I think it, is very encouraging, inspiring to sit. Yozan, you were first. I'll get the mic then.
7: Thank you, Douglas. Um, what I always really enjoy about your talks is that you always give a very pure, very sort of refined... Um, I think that... When we look at the experience of many people, it might even be said to be a slightly idealized uh, uh, and clear presentation of how Dogen presents things. Um, and I, I and I thought you went on to handle the question that always comes up. Um, well, what about these other things that people sometimes do, bre- breath and so on? Um, it occurs to me. I mean. I feel as much as I agree with pretty much everything you said. um, I also feel that I don't know that there's a there's a role for skillful means within zazen itself, Mm -hmm. and that's the skillful means are not necessarily deployed um, with you know, and we're discouraged from from deploying them in the interest of manufacturing particular uh, things that we putatively desire, that we think are a good idea for, Mm -hmm. for how we should be. Um, But, uh, and, and Hogetsu also speaks of, of meeting, meeting uh, our experience, everything in our experience with compassion and everything that we, you know, we meet outside. I've had this experience. I have this experience. Um, It took me a long time to begin to meet these things because there was too much noise, years of noise. Um, And so I don't know. I don't know. On the one hand, I want to find a place for talking about skillful means within Zazen itself. and, And also there's an idea. Yeah, it's not in the... It's not a skill, but there's an art. There's an artfulness, and um, that is cultivated and developed, like with any art. And I don't want to say Zazen's an art, because right away you have to say, no, it's not, you know, but there's something to it, right? And I find in that context, um, I mean, to to start out with people, to tell them, well, just, you know, I mean, it's really good advice to say, just, you know, each thing that comes up, just let go, let go, keep doing that. Um but very difficult advice. And I think the thing, um, you know, so so I'm not shy about talking to people about using breath in various ways. You know, there, there's a text by jury that talks about five ways of doing it, which kind of winds up with where Dogen winds up, but makes room for other things, too. And I'm sorry I'm talking so long, but, um, you know, so I, I, I oftentimes talk about letting, you know, when... When they start having difficult thoughts or difficult emotions, which very quickly, if they're different from thought at all, become thought, you know that it, I, I that it's it's useful to say, well, when you when you have this going on, you know, try letting your mind go sit on your breath for a second, and then it'll go. But you, you can set it back there, and it, and and I try to tell them that there's nothing magical about breath of course there is but you know it's not a matter of trying to you know sustain this concentrated thing on your breath but getting fluid and giving people kind of a means to to learn to let go Mm -hmm. because otherwise when you say you know we'll just let go of that thought what happens i mean the different thought you know so anyway if you can respond to any of, of that i you know, because it's a conundrum yeah. for me and I think for many people in, in how, not in the practice, but in how we talk about the practice.
4: Yeah, I think uh, maybe I didn't express myself well. I mean, I do tell people that they may find it helpful to uh, practice awareness of the breath or to practice breath counting. But I tried, based on my own experience, in which I found following the breath not particularly helpful. Um, uh helpful for what um for settling the mind and and awakening uh, opening up um coming back to right here i found that uh it was very hard just to to follow the mind the breath in and out without becoming in effect, concentrated on turning it into an object of concentration, and so I will try to tell people to use to say noting the breath, counting the breath, uh, which is sort of a reminder to the mind to come back to this moment, come back to this physical, uh, by coming back to the physical aspect of of our being present, to then be aware of of the mind. In the uh, in the world, stepping outside, stepping out of the thought and feeling, not being caught up in it anymore. Um, so I do talk to people about doing that, but I, I do, uh, and then say, you know, if uh, at some point uh, you can drop it or come back to it, uh, if you find it helpful. Sometimes, sometimes you may come to feel that having something like uh, counting or Even mindfulness of the breath with a light touch is sort of an impediment to just being right here. But yeah, I mean, I certainly uh, even strong focus on the breath is a very traditional Buddhist practice, um, and even in some Zen schools, for sure. Um, Yeah, but I, I, I don't recommend it because I didn't like it. Oh, Mike, you you were next, I think. Thank
8: you, Chris. Yeah. Um, when I first started sitting, um, and a difficult emotion would come up. I'd, I'd try to stifle it. Um, you know, I'd, I'd say, oh, I'm clinging too much to this, and, you know, I'll try to, you know, find something like either returning to my breath or doing something else to, like, not face it or something, or I thought that I was attaching to it, and then, of course, it would become stronger or it go away. Um, so it's it's been hard for me. Um, or It's been a good um, thing to learn how to get better at observing those kinds of things, as opposed to really attaching them. Um, uh, there's a book that I read called Radical Dharma by Lama Rod where he talks a lot about difficult emotions um, and he has this anagram called Snowell which is not very uh, catchy but <laughs> it's be helpful helpful. Uh, S-N-O-E-L but it's uh, seeing uh, the thought or emotion uh, naming it, owning it which sometimes can be hard um, experiencing it more harder than the hardest of all, uh, letting it go um, but the whole process of really, um, if there's this difficult thing that you can't, um, can't just, it doesn't uh, just pass by, um, That's I found that very helpful. And it's hard for me, because then I think, well, then I'm I'm spending a lot of time attaching to this emotion, but um, I feel that sometimes when they don't go, it's been hard. So I don't know if you have thoughts on that for anyone else. I think.
4: Um. You know, I'm, I think that whatever is working for you to bring you back to to be able to let the emotion come and then melt away, and just so that you can just return to being here is fine. And I'm, when people are extremely upset and having a hard time, it doesn't bother me to, I don't hesitate to say, why don't you just get up and walk around for a little while and then come back to the cushion. Um, Sometimes I think that uh, it's just not productive to try and uh, uh, endure. I think with the idea that at some point you're just—it's just, just going to all loosen up and everything's going to relax and you'll be open and calm again. Um, yeah, I think sometimes it's just more productive to. And interrupt the train of thought and then to come back. Amina.
0: Thank you, Douglas. Um, the summer I spent at Tassajara, I don't know if this is something that happens in the other parts of the year, but occasionally you would hear someone crying in the Zendo. And I think I probably cried once or twice. And um, I always kind of appreciated that, you know, that it was a place where I mean, you could just cry. It wasn't happening all the time, but, you know, a few times. Um, But I was, you know, when you were speaking, Douglas, I was thinking about, and maybe this connects a little bit to what Neozon was was, um, kind of talking about, but I thought about the fact that I've done this thing for a long time where, you know, when I'm sitting and thoughts come up as they always do, that thing of just labeling it thinking and then sort of gently trying to let it go um but then you know I, I was sort of wondering about that because you said that maybe if you don't do something like that it'll and you just keep sitting you just keep coming back to the cushion um you'll just start to settle your mind will start to settle naturally I don't know so it's'm I'm, I'm just sort of wondering um or just thinking about like effort like maybe sometimes putting too much effort, or you know, I try not. i won't. I always think like gently, you
6: know,
0: <laughs> thinking, you know, but but I still don't know, like just just kind of balancing, um, yeah. not putting too much effort in, you know.
4: Yeah, I, I think there's a difference between that kind of quick labeling, or just even something like angry, happy, tired, something like that, from getting involved in some train of thought about. What you're thinking or feeling. I think there's a difference. And I think that that's very much like kind of what I said about maybe there being sort of a twofold aspect to Zazen, of that there's some gap in our thinking and feeling, and suddenly we're back and just saying kind of an acknowledgement, okay, I'm back. That seems to be sort of similar to what is going on with the labeling maybe I'll just throw it out there as a possibility, that the fact that you're able to recognize it and label it means that you're not immersed in it and gra- grasping it and clinging it to it the way you may, might have been before. And that that ability to label it as thinking or even something more specific is it's sort of an acknowledgment of that uh, that allows you to let it go and just be here. I don't know how effective that would be for me when I'm overwhelmed by grief, <laughs> to say, I you feel know, grief, grief, or thinking, thinking, and I'm going to go, oh, I don't know if that's helping me out. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, for other stuff, sure. I think all of us have, have experienced that those uh, incredibly powerful emotions that we did not know were there. Um, erupting during sitting, and uh, yeah, I think uh, that's something that I don't think our Chinese and Japanese ancestors talk about. So, but I'm sure that they all experienced it as well.
0: I mean, is it bad if if those feelings just kind of erupt, or you I mean, wouldn't you just? No, I mean, they just do that.
4: Yeah, they erupt, and they're there, you know, they, yeah, I, I don't think it, I don't see how it would be bad. Uh, you have those emotions, and so you're not, you wouldn't try to re, repress them or control them. Um, they're there. They're, they're part of your life right now. again. I would just say, you
9: know, and this is, this is easier to say than to do it sometimes. But just to feel what you're feeling. Um, don't try and do anything with it, or get rid of it, or manipulate it, or make it something else. But just, just to feel what you're feeling. And and sometimes, like as you said, Amina, that that means sometimes somebody starts to weep in the endo, and that's because there's because we all have various strong feelings at times, and but. Uh, to let go of trying to control it all i think is really helpful and but to be able to just be with it and witness it and uh, feel it
4: yeah i think that there's also a temptation to sort of try to find something else to occupy ourselves with which is i think is unproductive i think being able to be with the emotion and recognize it and feel it is the most helpful thing. You keep moving around. Um.
5: Do you see Bryant's hand, Douglas?
4: I didn't. Ah, there you go. Okay, Bryant, please.
10: That was my uh, sound of one hand. <laughs> um. Yeah, to to add to what Tygan responded with, uh, for a long time I've found helpful when I notice that I'm uh, exacerbating a storyline. You know, oftentimes a strong feeling is being aggrandized by my mind. You know, sort of agglomerating all kinds of um, supporting evidence. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it, it, so it's this back and forth thing between this feeling and then, you know, the recognizing my mind will do, uh, and then the, la- the automatic labeling, which becomes a storyline, uh, and the quicker I can see that process happening, which I think, uh, uh, in ancient times, Papancha was often the term, you know, we're, we're constantly spinning these worlds, um, Without our in, without intention, it just happens. That's that's the effulgence of the mind. But the value to me in sitting uh, to work with this, uh, as Taigen said, uh, the, as soon as I see myself doing that, is to try and get in touch with what does the feeling actually feel like. You know what? And just just as a, a pure energy, and where is it? You know, is it a is it a tension is it a, a thing that's modifying my breath where am i feeling it what does it feel like um but i try not to even dwell too long in that uh, but but it's helpful just to remind myself that ultimately a feeling is is an energy not a verbal construction necessarily um or it's it's you're you're I'm sort of unwrapping it unpacking it um and it's in oftentimes when i have gotten in touch or tried to get in touch and stay in touch with just what the energy feels like um it's almost a step away to just go right back to the breath um and so i'll i'll uh i'll use a suzuki roshi phrase that i found extremely helpful for me, uh, breath sweeps mind. So I I try and just reconnect with the feeling of the breath, um, going in and out. And usually on the out breath, there's a sort of conceptual sweeping of just, okay, this is reminding me to just slough off the verbal constructions and get back to the feeling of the breath. And I, I found that helps a lot uh, most of the time uh, to get sort of reconnect with just the present moment of whatever, whatever's there. So
4: I find my greatest challenge is that I talk to myself all the time. It's not that I daydream or come up with stories. I sit there and I'm, explaining something to myself, especially about Zazen. It's, uh, well, this is what's happening in your Zazen right now. It's just go on and on and on. You kind of go, well, how long is this going to last? I, mean, I... <laughs> so... Yeah,
10: when I, when I recognize that I'm talking to myself or that there's words being engaged, even in, even in labeling, um, you know, I was trying to get... There was a Tibetan teacher that instructed just to have just feel the breath in and out of the nostrils don't even think about just just try and just connect with that feeling of the breath just going in and out uh, as a way of sort of non conceptualizing <laughs> you know just getting re just you know like you said you know that moment of recognition is that mindful moment where we realize that we're talking and that the mind is is spinning words about something um, and in that recognition is that moment of grace <laughs> where we can reconnect with the moment. Um, so
4: Oh Michael, I didn't see you got your hand up too.
3: And then after him, uh, Jan has also missed her.
4: Hand. Oh okay
11: uh i I started with counting. And that was really helpful for me uh, simply because it was like, you know, going for five minutes is a struggle and then got to get to 10 minutes and then slowly building up the, uh, the practice. Uh, I think everybody probably comes at it and has different uh, different things are going to help different people get to a place of just sitting. Uh, which I love even now, even doing koan work, let alone trying to do a mantra or visualization or anything like that, that uh, the other methods, the methods they feel like work. And then at some point I could just stop Mm -hmm. and not be trying to do something and be sitting there. And that, that's, zaza and that that's the value to me is getting to that place of uh peace and what dogan i love dogan's expression that dharmagate the joyful ease
4: mm-hmm.
11: and something that hogetsu uh made me think of was the going in the other direction rather than ruminating on negative emotions getting that the kind of blissed out rapturous just floating there in the happies and being able to feel happiness love and compassion and then that that kind of helps uh, the mind slacken off and when the feelings are negative i remember what one thing some readings of dogen at least mentions the 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 non separation between the body and the mind and feeling the feelings as Feelings as physical sensations in the solar plexus, in the chest, and the gut, uh, and not having to attach a storyline or a a word even or, or a mental concept to it, but just it being a physical feeling and sensation. And then at that point, still can't make it go away, but sometimes getting into and feeling it more, it's impermanent and gradually well goes away on its own. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a great, as somebody who's not an old hat, though, no, great uh, introduction, great introductory angle to Zazen. So I, I really appreciate hearing Thank that. That's a
4: Hi, Jan.
12: Hi. Um, thanks for the talk. I think it was very good because it's so, um, uh, it's a, you're very non-aggressive about what um, we should be doing, or thinking, or feeling, and so um, I I have a, a, a distressful time on most days when I wake up in the morning. Um, and and so I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking and feeling quite a bit of. Uh, Distress and I would say anguish about things that have happened or things that I've done. And I say to myself, well, I'm just going to meditate. So I get myself all set up to meditate, and uh, all that goes away. And the meditation doesn't help me deal with all that emotion, because as soon as I start meditating, I don't have it. Mm. And then... Uh, and then i get up and go around my day and i find that um, sometimes during the day these uh these feelings come back but it's it it's been really interesting to me because i've i've gotten in the habit of meditating in the morning and noticing that all the things that distress me and it's not that um it's not that um um, it's helped with the distress. It's that it's somehow the distress disappears, and I feel kind of blah. Hmm. I just I just thought I'd bring that up because I didn't want to. <laughs> so I, I, I I've been thinking. Oh, don't
4: talk about that and then what are you afraid of? There I am. That's it. Yeah, I think all of us have had periods when I don't know there was something just overall about our life and our experience that carried over and saw our Zaza and felt sort of Blah, but I guess you sit with the blah. That's part of it too, and it resolves itself eventually. So I will hope that this too passes and you're able to return to a more open, calm, and peaceful state where you're not feeling blah. Matt. Yeah,
6: thank you for your talk, Douglas. I'll try to be quick, I know. Our- I'm going to go back to your original question about what what we do when um, sizing gets tough or difficult. Um, Before I was at Minnesota Zen Meditation Center, I um, was at Dharma Field with Steve Hagen for about 10 years. And I had the privilege to assist with meditation instruction with Steve and three other people. And we followed his meditation Now or Never book. Um, And he's got three big pillars of meditation. This is really for Buddhists and non-Buddhists, but Meditating regularly, meditating with others, and non-judgment. And Steve would always say that um, meditating regularly was the most important one. But for me, meditating with others was the most important. That really made a huge difference in my practice. I meditated at home by myself for about four years. But when I started sitting in a Zendo with other people, just it, was, it, it changed. It transformed me in ways I can't really explain. And um, now I don't sit at home alone. Even during the pandemic, I needed to sit on Zoom with people. I couldn't do it without someone in the room, without the camera on. I don't know what flipped, but I have to be with people. And, Taigen, when I was reading, I think it's Zen questions. You kind of pointed to what Zazen became for me. Um, I think you called it like a ritual. And it's a ritual for me now. It's like a service. It's like chanting the Heart Sutra it's really that like I um, am not really looking to get anything out of it. I get a lot out of it, but I have to do it like in a Zendo with other people. And I, it it flows right into the heart sutra. You know, we chant the heart sutra at MCMC each morning and um, I don't see really any separation. And I really love the ritual aspect. It's, you know, some, some people use that word venerate. It's a little, (laughs) but, but it is a ritual to me. And I'm, I just love what you said, Jan, because um, it changes. Zazen is fluid, you know, from day to day. And um, I think Jack Cornfield said, "If people ever looked into our mind during zazen, we'd be locked up, and they throw away the key." You know, <laughs> like, no one wants to see what goes on in our mind during zazen. So, thank you, Douglas. That's great.
9: Thank
4: you. So, Again,
9: just briefly in response to that, um, uh, I just appreciated everything that everybody said uh, in that in that bookman, I call it a ritual enactment or expression. Really, we're just this is a ritual for expressing. Well, I could say expressing Buddha, the Buddha we are, but it's also just whatever is happening. Where this this thing, this becoming intimate with our with ourselves and our mind, and as can say studying the self, and you know, everything everybody has said is an expression of that. Um, the texture of how. Uh, Zazen, uh, is int- is intimate within us so uh, and i just i wanted to say to michael uh, th- that um the way you were talking about it i i appreciated where you were coming from, but also just to add to that that uh, we don't have to, it, not that we don't have to manipulate anything it doesn't really work ultimately, you know, to try and figure it out and make it into this or make it into that. But we do that. That's part of what we do. So non-judgment is also important. Anyway, thank you. I, I appreciate it. About the most everything thank you. Um,
3: if, if I may, uh, speaking to, um, what Jan said, uh, you know that you, that you wake up kind of upset um, about this, that, or the other thing, and then you sit down to zazen and to try to deal with this, and you feel better before you you sit zazen. I think that's still zazen helping you. Zazen doesn't have to help you after you sit zazen. I think it can help you before you sit zazen. <laughs> um, and it, well, and I think you know maybe maybe the zazen from the day before is just like catching up. Or the zazen from you know two weeks from now, um, yeah. I, I think it's yeah. I, well, I, c- kind of in a mystical sort of you know metaphysical way, but but really in the the act of setting up for one is you know you you get that trained in your brain. I'm headed into this space that's that's calm where I know what I'm going to be doing for the next half hour, and so uh, that that can do its own work so it does seem like it's it's helping helping you quite a bit with your your morning scaries
12: well i think it it does too because uh once i have uh sat for 20 minutes then i i kind of think well what was that all about and i get up and <laughs> do, do the dishes or whatever needs to be done and it's sort of gone
3: i wish my was into that every time i sat <laughs>
12: I don't guarantee it. (laughs) And I hate to say it's worked because, you know, I don't want to think of meditation as a way of escaping the stress or, you know, I I don't like to think of it as um, like a machine. You do this and that's going to (laughs) work. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't. You know, uh, there we go. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do that. And the the talk that Douglas just gave m- makes you think, okay, you know, whatever, whatever you, however you handle it, it's all right. And I loved it that he said that uh, g- uh, focusing on the breath or going back to the breath doesn't work for him; that he d- doesn't like it. <laughs> I like that.
4: I Amina. Mean, no.
0: Thank you. I just wanted to ask one last question about maybe um, sitting with tension in the body. I have noticed sometimes when I'm sitting a lot of tension, especially in my face, and I don't know if it's tension. It's probably tension I have all the time, you know, that I've been carrying through the day and I'm just noticing it, you know, as I sit. But I find myself doing this sort of like double, like, you know, the gentle labeling of the thoughts, thinking and trying to let them go and then also just trying to relax my face (laughs) and, I wonder uh, if, any, if you, Douglas, or if anyone has kind of just, like, thoughts or advice about, you know, because, you know, we were, we were talking about, like, noticing the body or coming back to the body. But what if, like, your body has all this tension in it? What do you do?
4: Maybe I'm just avoiding things. But when I have tension, or I feel like I've got TMJ or something like that, I, I stretch, <laughs> I don't just sit with it. And maybe that would be a better way. But yeah, I, I did, I, 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 I
0: stretched before today, I stretched, I did some yoga, like yeah. for that. reason. But comes yeah.
5: back. So Amina, I have a comment that our emotions, there are many muscles in the face and emotions are encoded in our or when we have emotions they're expressed in a muscular in micro movements and tension in these various muscles so it's really wonderful that you're noticing this right so so what what do you do when that happens when you notice this tension in your face
0: i mean i just i i notice it and then i just try to relax my face and <laughs> my face does relax, but then like the thoughts, you know, two minutes later, the thoughts are back. And also my face is like.
5: Mm-hmm. So going. you notice that, that coupling of the physiological and the emotional, really, I mean, thoughts are there, but there's emotions, but the sense of, you know, this is working with karma in some ways that's embodied. So I think it's really wonderful that you notice that because then you can, uh, you do it enough and you do it with compassion, right? Mm-hmm. So like I sometimes think of like, you know, Quan Yin's vase of compassion flowing over that musculature. So this is the art of Zazen, right? But it's a really important thing that you notice, especially in the face, Where that tension, you know, we notice it in our bodies and other parts, sometimes they scream, but it's more and more subtle. So I just really want to encourage you in that. It's a wonderful practice. And uh, you'll look like you had uh, Buddha's plastic surgery, you know, where like your face is Botox.
0: It's just so relaxed. (laughs) Thank you. That's helpful, especially the part about compassion, you know.
9: Again. Two quick things. Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh used to recommend smiling during Zaza, just gently, just a subtle smile. But also, I once worked with a Native American spiritual teacher, and he uh, described this exercise that he did every morning when he first woke up. And it was like moving his face are making all you these know, and really, well, I'm just
4: making faces and it's, you know, weird things with your face. So I don't know. You might try that. I've I've done that. Half smiled that Thich Tikmat Han, recommended, and um, you know I I think it. Sometimes we can do sort of grim zazen. Sort of I'm gonna. <laughs> be very serious and concentrated on it, it's kind of hard to do that with a half smile on your face it does bring a certain amount of openness and warmth it's a mind-body connection there Uh, so I've always appreciated that that tip of his Did you have another one, Jan? Nope. Okay. Michael.
11: Something you'd said earlier that I think I have certainly had the experience of trying to sit harder. And uh, just being there... (laughs) Whatever that
4: means, yeah. (laughs)
11: Yeah. Well, what Matt said about sitting with other people is huge because when I'm by myself, I will find myself like arguing with the wall silently. And and then I, I notice that, and so I stop, and then I try to sit harder. And what's great about being observed is more, I think, conscious of making faces and whatnot. But uh Yeah, relaxing again, letting go, sitting into it. The the progressive relaxation uh techniques, a couple of people, Pennasaro's recommended them, Whoa woo. Talks about different things, but just going through the entire body scan, it's still a thing that you're doing. But then you wind up relaxed, and you have that physical posture. And when I can get that balance of upright and relaxed, and my face, um, I have to try the smile though, because that still that still feels like tension. Completely relaxed. My face looks, you know, I, I look like I'm just mad, but <laughs> relaxed, but. Yeah, it's, it's, it just goes back to the body awareness thing mm-hmm. and all that. And then not, not trying too hard. I, I don't know. The, the tension, not being too let loose and then not being too, you know, the, the middle way.